Today's guest is Elizabeth Cairns. We have an amazing chat today about her new book, The Empowered Entrepreneur, and her approach to business and working for yourself. She is all about embracing slow living and just being kinder to yourself, work-life balance, healthy boundaries, saying no to things that don't serve you. We just dive into so many uh, really meaningful and really powerful concepts and topics today and I think this episode will apply to any woman listening because most of us are putting too much on our plate, most of us aren't spending enough time on ourselves, looking after ourselves and most of us are just super busy and hectic and have that overwhelmed feeling whether we work nine to five whether we work for ourselves whatever our situation is welcome to the put yourself first podcast inspiring conversations with badass women empowering you to make time for your personal goals and put yourself first Welcome back to Put Yourself First, everyone. I'm with Elizabeth today. Say hello. Morning, everyone. Hi. Yeah, today we're going to have a great chat about everything you do and your new book, which is really exciting. Yes, I'm very excited. So is the book out by the time this goes up? Yes, it will be. In fact, I have a copy. They arrived with me yesterday. So I have a copy right here. It's very exciting to get my hands on it properly. And it's with the distributors, so it should all be available Yeah, by the time this comes out. So exciting. So the Empowered Entrepreneur and all of the work that you do, just tell us a bit more about your story and how you got into doing what you do. Yes, well, I'm I'm very lucky, really, because I've I've had a, a life of parallel careers I suppose I've kind of had one foot in one world and one foot in another for quite a long time Um, and I skipped university and went straight out to work so I kind of got a jump start in corporate life and I was working in sales and marketing um, and then branding and then um, events for large corporates and American companies and then big UK company Um, and kind of at the same time as doing that I was sort of seeing a lot of dissatisfaction I kind of felt this sort of stirring in me of something else you know it's like is this really it so I started to pursue a kind of parallel um, life if you like that was a little more esoteric a little unusual Um, and I trained as a a holistic therapist Um, I started uh, to deepen my yoga practice and my meditation practice that I sort of started with when I was younger Um, and I kind of edged my way into the world of weird if you like as well as this kind of quite high-flying corporate world but in the corporate world I was often in a support role so I had a I had a kind of perspective on things I could see the patterns of what was happening with people and the dissatisfaction and all of that and um, I remember being at an event in Cannes I think it was one year and we'd started to bring in some team development for our sales guys and uh, I was laying the table or something for a, a gala dinner and I looked over on the beach and I saw the crew that were doing the team development having a barbie on the end of the pier in their swimmers, me in this ridiculous ball gown laying a table wondering who was going to sit next to who. And they were having a whale of a time, having just delivered this amazing team development program to our 250 or delegates. And I thought, hmm, they're having a good time. <laughs> I quite fancy a bit of that. And I thought, oh, you know, work doesn't have to be 
like this because for all intents and purposes I was having this wonderful glamorous life all these trips away all this you know great work but there was just this general sense of malaise everywhere you know people were dropping down sick at their desks and it was just it there was this sort of sense of dissatisfaction I thought hmm so I said to myself right I'm going to work out how much I need um, to survive and when I know that and when I can get that I'll just quit so I did that I think it was I got back to the office I did that on Wednesday um, and I worked out the, the exact figure I needed to keep my head above water and pay the mortgage and that was on the Wednesday and on the Thursday I got a call from one of my old um, trainers who I'd done I think my NLP master prep with and he said oh, I need some help I need someone to come and work with me as a facilitator um, but I can only pay you X and it was the exact figure that I'd written down I was like okay yes I'll do it and he, he said do you know anyone I said well me I'll do it I'll come and do it um, so I was like, okay, great. And then I resigned on the Friday and that was it. Um, and I thought, I didn't really know what that was going to look like. I didn't really have a plan. I just knew, I kind of was responding to this sense of there's something else. Um, and that kind of sense of there's something else I've seen mirrored in all of my clients over the years, in all of the patterns that I see in the way that people are working. And there were lots. There are lots of ways in my work that I've kind of responded to that yearning, if you like, that I heard in people. And the book is kind of the, the latest manifestation of that. You know, I'm, I'm feeling like there's this sense that people want a way of working that is more joyful. They want a way of being that is more um, on purpose, that's more creative, that's more inspiring, that's more exciting for them. And that actually enables them to focus on the stuff that's really important and not the superficial or the irrelevant or the the stuff that we get caught up in because we're so busy or because we haven't taken that time to reflect or to kind of step out so I was quite lucky that I was very gung-ho when I was young and I just went for stuff um, and I was quite young when I made that kind of transition and I I gave myself permission to make lots of mistakes and kind of feel my way through and I had a year of yes so I just said yes to every opportunity that came my way everything anybody said do you fancy doing this would you like this piece of work I just said yes just for a year um and even if it scared the absolute bejesus out of me I said yes so I ended up you know public speaking in front of thousands of people I ended up doing running team development programs and designing and creating you know crazy events and things with people working with new teams you know all sorts of stuff that I had a stint in a pub for a while you know all sorts of stuff that I wouldn't have experienced without just having this carte blanche to try it and to go with the flow and to see what unfolded and I kind of I I'm fascinated by patterns and process and I'm fascinated by weaving the threads of things together in in ways that kind of make sense to me or to other people and so I kind of was starting to pull the threads of what are these things that are lighting me up what are the things that I'm getting um really excited about what are the things that are making a real difference to people in all of this stuff that I'm doing and what am I finding really easy because there was some stuff that I was asked to do that I realized afterwards that other people found really difficult you know the public speaking thing for example or getting it up in a room of people and facilitating an event where you just didn't know what was going to come up and I really enjoyed all of that and lots of people found it very daunting so I started to explore this sense of oh, I wonder if we've all got something like that. You know, something that we can do that other people might find more challenging and maybe that has something to do with what we're here for. You know, it's kind of on this very early journey 
um, of exploring this sort of concept of, of the work we're supposed to be doing. And I kind of just followed that thread, really. And because I am quite selfish and I am quite a hedonist, I decided that I was only going to do work that gave me a kind of eight out of 10 score or above. I wasn't going to settle for anything that made me feel less than fulfilled and joyful and excited about the prospect of doing it. So I literally cherry picked all of the things, all of the different range of things from everything I'd done and pulled them into an offering and a way of working um, that means that everything I did then and everything I continue to do now um, is what I love to do. Amazing. I feel like there's there's just so much self-awareness in that. Well, it is all just blind ignorance. Yeah. But also just not, I think, not settling for something, doing something that you don't like. I think the thing that I really admire about entrepreneurs is they do challenge what it means to be successful and they, they don't settle for what they've been told success looks like. Yes. And I think I did have a lot of advantages in that I didn't follow the conventional route through. You know, I didn't go to university when I left school, I went later to go back and do teaching. Um, but I, I didn't get kind of molded in that same way. And I was always a little bit contrary when I was younger and kind of quite sort of seeking in things. Um, so I think I did have, I sort of had the advantage of circumstance with that really. But then I, I realized as I was working over time that a lot of people do struggle with this. They struggle with the permission to go their own way. 100%. Yeah. And particularly now, I mean, obviously, when I was working um, corporately, I I mean, I remember when email came in, we were still, you know, standing, sending faxes through. In fact, Sophie Robinson and I were laughing about it yesterday. It's like, you know, the sound of the fax machine as it went through. It's just like, oh, my God. You imagine a 15 year old now, like, what's a fax? (laughs) So we had more time then. We weren't bombarded by everything. It was much easier to just go with one calling I suppose or one um, whereas now everybody is just bombarded all of the time aren't they yeah yeah and we're also sold this image as well of being other people seeing other people with this quote-unquote perfect job and then almost feeling bad about ourselves because if we're not happy in our job then we almost have this crisis in our mind of oh well what do I want to do and I think a lot of people like you say really struggle with getting out of their comfort zone and trying new things because Mm. that's at the end of the day one of the only ways you're going to truly find your quote-unquote perfect job (laughs) yeah I think I think it is that uh, that willingness to get things wrong and that willingness to fail and it is I I suppose to some degree it might be easier when you're younger because you have less filters but that's not true for everybody um, but also I think it's, I think the key for now is really to have a very clear sense of what's most important to you. Because if I continued on my trajectory, on my kind of entrepreneurial career trajectory, I'd be in a very different place now. But because we have made the choice to have children, we've reorientated our businesses and our work um, around that and what then became important. So I think it's, I think it's having, like you say, the self-awareness to 
tune in to what's most important at the time and the willingness to flex the model to suit you at the time. And I found that if you're doing what's most important, you don't have that regret, you don't have, you never feel like you're missing out because why would you be if you're doing the most important thing? You know, a lot of a lot of people say, why did I choose to homeschool my kids? Because that makes running my business really difficult. And it's like, well, that's the that's the point to me. You know, the value in being my own boss is that I can shape my business around the things that are most important to me in my life. And at the moment, um, being at home with the children is one of those most important things. And I think it's it's about having that flexibility to shift according to, um, yeah, according to what's most important. Yeah, yeah. I always ask clients or even just everyday people that I speak to if they have that conundrum oh well, what do I do with my life or I don't know what I really want to do I yeah. always go back to what are your values and what is most important to you like what do you wake up every day thinking about and yeah. they're the things that need to shape your career not necessarily yeah. one role that you must aspire to it could be that you value being at home more or it could be that you value independence more it could be that you value freedom or being able to travel like whatever whatever speaks to you I think that can hold a lot of wisdom when it comes to finding your path in life absolutely and and trusting that as well and I suppose we're, we're so out of touch with what's important aren't we most people think well I don't know what I'm consumed with you know I don't know what I'm thinking about all the time I don't know what's important to me because what becomes important to us is what we absorb and what we're fed externally and particularly now that we've got more media and more social media and more we're plugged in all of the time it can be very difficult I mean I've definitely noticed a shift in the last sort of six years or so in client work since I, I, I kind of stopped work when my daughter was very young um, and gave myself a break and then kind of came back to it and when just about that she's seven now so just about the time I stopped um with CJ I think I did my last retreat when she was about 18 months or something um people were I could just see this pattern emerging of this sense of being lost in the noise which I think is one of the biggest challenges we're facing at the moment and then when I came back into work, I was like, whoa, this is epic for people now. It's like, look at what's happened in this five or six years. Like, there is so much noise. There is so much competing for our attention. And the fallout of that is this lack of clarity, this lack of um, faith in ourselves and our doubt in our direction or in our purpose. There's too much advice out there. Um, we are getting into this kind of hypervigilant, always switched on reacting not responding mode and there's a real craving I think now for space you know just space to breathe space to think space to process um and and this the impact of not having that on our ability to tune into our authentic voice is quite telling I think um you know people are really struggling with the basics in a in you know the conversations I'm having with my clients are different now from when they were 10 years ago you know they're not aware of their internal dialogue as much as they were before because it's other people's you know that sifting through all of that other stuff is much harder to get to these days yeah yeah and I also think social media is 
making us question our intuition which for me I'm so passionate about like you say the inner voice that that just nudge towards something we can end up questioning that when we go on Instagram and see someone traveling to Dubai and think oh well should I want (laughs) to travel to Dubai should I want to stay in a five-star hotel (laughs) you know it's interesting I find I find it's a really useful radar in the same way that I think I used to use jealousy as a radar before social media. You know, I used to, if I used to see something go, Oh, quite fancy that. Oh, oh, why can't I doing that? It's kind of, it's almost a signal. It can be a signal to something that we're missing in the picture of what will be fulfilling for us. Um, And I think there's a subtle distinction between that and this terrible craze of FOMO that's out there. Um, so, and, and I think that the distinction between those and being able to read that is about really getting intimate with, with kind of your physicality and your body and that sense of, am I being pulled towards this in a meaningful yearning kind of way? Or is it a kind of superficial, I'm lacking in something kind of way, if that makes sense? Because I think social media can be hugely inspiring. And, and I mean, I... I choose only one channel I'm only on Instagram um, because I don't have the bandwidth to be on anything else and to to do it well so I decided I used to be on Twitter and I I don't use Twitter anymore Um, and when I came back to work I thought you know where is the platform where my lovely creative types hang out and Instagram was the one and I found it to be an incredibly supportive community but the way um, I'm finding that enables me to manage that as a source of inspiration and a source of connection is to be really conscious about when I use it, how I use it and how I engage with it and to try and avoid the mindful, mindless kind of scrolling that happens where everything just goes through in a blur and all you see is this kind of run of this life that you don't have, you know, which I think is what a lot of people experience with that. Yeah, I completely Mm. agree. So... The Empowered Entrepreneur, tell us about the book, tell us about what it's going to, you know, help people with, what it's going to do for people who decide to pick it up or order it online. Oh, thank you. Um, Well, I don't really know what it will do because it's quite broad ranging. Um, I'm hoping it will be a response to this yearning that we were talking about, this yearning that I've heard in people that there is a way to create a way of working and being in the world that is on your terms, um, that enables you to think for yourself and not just blindly follow the herd and actually give some very practical um, and easy ways of doing that. Whether you're in business or not, actually, it kind of applies to creatives or anybody struggling with that sense of who am I and where am I going. Um, So you don't have to necessarily be entrepreneurial in spirit. It's just that that's my particular kind of working niche. Um, And I'm hoping it will help people to sift through um, their kind of internal landscape a little bit and see what's going on there. Um, It is quite, it's quite broad ranging and it's quite light, but I have realized over the years that, um, and this has changed in my work with my retreats as well, is I used to go in and do loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of stuff with people um, and kind of let's change everything and let's transform everything. And now I've realized that actually just creating a space for change to happen and just laying out an invitation 
and getting a sense of what it is people respond to in that, people will go then and do their own depth of work that is appropriate for them at that time. So I think it's appropriate for anyone at any stage of their business journey who wants to work in a more considered way, in a more empowered way, and wants to be more flexible in creating opportunities rather than just responding to things. You know, so we look at... um, criteria for effective decision making and how you know when you say yes to something it's the right thing and the the kind of book is structured in a way that invites people to put vitality and space as their um, foundations if you like for their creative process because I think we often put productivity first and product, I mean, there's a huge chapter called getting it done, which is, is all about productivity, but it kind of addresses it in a different way. It's not this kind of rat race, hustle, 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 get it done, burn the candle at both ends approach. It actually recognizes that when you create more space in your life, your um, creative and your flow process is accelerated because space is required for flow to happen. And all these kind of creative and inspired processes happen when your brain has had time to synergize and when it has been treated to time out in nature or when it has um, been given these periods of rest from input so there's a lot around that Um, and there's a lot around prioritizing vitality before anything else because that's the thing that gets in the way most and for me what I've noticed is Actually, vitality is the sustaining force of your business, not um, the drive to push through and chase and get things done. Because particularly as a creative entrepreneur, if you have this vitality, it's almost like the flame that the moths are drawn to. It's something that is a form of energy that's self-sustaining in and of itself and is attractive. So when you have it opportunities present themselves in a way that they don't when you're pushing on through does that make any sense yeah 100% yeah I feel like the the whole concept of this podcast put yourself first is that vitality yeah it's ask asking of your business and asking of your life what do I need to feel supported yeah what do I need to thrive yeah, and it really is. And, and I think particularly there's a lot of stuff out there about you must do this and you must do that and you must do, you know, additional stuff that people need to do. Oh, I must do a detox or I must do, you know, all these extra things they have to bring into their routine. And actually, I think my approach is almost the opposite in that it's about a stripping away. You know, our natural state is a vital one. Our natural state is to be brimming with joy, vitality, high energy, you know, all of that stuff. And if we just strip away the stuff that's getting in the way of that, you know, if we get rid of the unhelpful habits, if we remove those people in our lives or or the entanglement in those relationships that is unhelpful and reweave them in a way that is empowered, you know, we, we just make way for that natural energy to flow. You know, if we stop feeding ourselves crap and getting more sleep and all of that kind of, you know, the basic stuff that we do forget that nothing in the book is particularly new. Nothing is rocket science. Um, but it feels like a kind of truth. We rewoven in a way that hopefully will make sense and enable people to cross this kind of bridge that I was 
talking about before between these two worlds because what I'm finding with um, particularly with my clients is I have some clients on one side of the bridge who are very corporately minded and stuck in that mindset and need to kind of be shown the way over to this kind of newer softer way of working and then because I've had you know one foot firmly in a Birkenstock for a long time I have a lot of other of my tribe that are um, more drawn to this softer way of working who are getting in their own way because they're not thinking commercially because you know this innate um, misconception that money is a problem for us and we shouldn't have it or um, or that being a business person is detrimental to our creativity you know there's all of these kind of assumptions that have been made so I'm hoping the book kind of crosses crosses the bridge in both ways so it kind of has commercial basis um, but I think it's written in a way that's accessible for for both camps without um, you know by respecting both both views of the world if you like yeah yeah that's really interesting I've never thought about it like that but <coughs> I completely agree and that's exactly what I find I think you either have the people who are stuck in the traditional mindset mm. or they're almost the other extreme and they're they've been taught that that's the wrong way to go or the they're the artsy type who you know might have limiting beliefs around money or be scared to put themselves out there like a lot of people I speak to have don't have this belief in themselves in themselves that they are worthy of telling people about their work yeah yeah which is huge yeah it is a really big thing isn't it I mean we touch a little bit on worth in the book and and how to kind of explore that um, because it is a huge thing that gets in the way. I mean, a lot of people struggle in business with what to charge. Um, and part of that can sometimes come from they're doing the wrong thing. You know, they, they don't feel comfortable about charging because it's not their, um, it's not the right offering. But more often than not, it's that quite often they find what they do so easy because it's their natural gift that, well, why, why is this worth anything? Because it's so easy to me. And I kind of look at the mesh of, if we were all doing what we found joyful and flowing, it's not to say that it's, it's not to say that it's not a stretch, but it's not, um, you know, it's not riddled with self-doubt and riddled with, um, you know, difficulty in the execution of it, if you like. Obviously, there's always challenge on running a business in general. But I think if we're all doing those things that we do well, and that we are meant to be doing, then we all kind of knit together in this fabric that supports each other. You know, we don't have to be all things to all people. Um, and I'm really finding now, I'm noticing that there's more pe- more communities coming together to provide those missing links for people. Because we've lost our tribes, haven't we, really? You know, people are living further away from their families. Um, people are assuming that they're connected because they're on social media when really you know they might go whole days without seeing people they might particularly solopreneurs who you know work for themselves in their own offices um we're losing this sense of being connected to the fabric of each other and actually we need that for our um well-being for our mental health for our physical health for our emotional health and practically we cannot do it all you know i, I didn't realize that even i think to the degree i do now until i had children 
you know, you, you'd need a village to raise a child. And I think it's true of an entrepreneur as well. You need a tribe to run a thriving business um, because it's right that we should be working in cooperation with each other and we should be supporting each other and and we should be doing what we do best. And then there's also commercially, there's room in the market for everybody then as well. Yeah, amazing. Um, I want to chat about society's addiction to busyness and productivity and I know you've said you share productivity tips in the book and I'm all about productivity tips and really getting getting the important work done Mm. but I feel like this what what are your opinions on this glamorization of busyness working 24 7 hashtag like no sleep hustle hard all that kind of stuff let's not do that should we just not do that because it's dull isn't it (laughs) (laughs) it's like oh if there are yeah i think glamorizing the struggle i think it's a way actually it's i see it as an unconscious um calling out you know it's a crying out isn't it i think at some level we must know that this is not the way to go but we can't see a way out and it's almost like how many other I think when I see those hashtags and things I think they're calling out for other people in this same boat to go yes I'm feeling it too let's all just jump ship shall we you know I really I'm hopeful that that's why it's happening um because it's not less it's not glamorous it's not cool it's just not cool I mean it will become hopefully it will go the way of smoking in public places has done in the UK it will just become uncool to be slogging yourself to death Um, Because actually, it's not an intelligent way to work, is it, really? Um, That's not to say you can't burn the midnight oil. You know, I've had times, and I had in in the writing of the book in particular, where I've been on such a creative high and such a flow that I've gone with that flow until the flow has ended. But that is a very different process from pushing, pushing, pushing through to get the to-do list done. And... I think there is, you know, you mentioned earlier about this sense of criteria, the sense of success and, you know, what people see as being successful. I think what it's inviting us to do is to look again at what we're doing this for and what the point is and to recognise that we can have what we want, but we can't have it all at the same time and that the time we, we will lose what's important on, along the way if we focus on getting to the end result all of the time. And I think there will be a general, I mean, there needs to be, otherwise we're just going to burn out as a species. There needs to be a general slowing down and a realisation that we don't need more, more, more. We have everything we need. I mean, really. Yes, there's this, you know, longing to make things more beautiful or to express ourselves with art or to redecorate the house or all of that kind of... And I feel those things as well. I genuinely do. And it's kind of my struggle um, in a lot of ways because I have a really deep desire to live more sustainably and to consume a lot less. Um, So I try and temper that. But equally, you know, I do want to have a nurturing home that I step into. And that might mean that I get rid of the 1920s kitchen or whatever. Um... But I think there will be this realisation that actually we need a lot less than we think we do. Um, Progress is not always measured in how much more we have, but about the quality and the connection we have with life. And 
the opportunity to kind of serve along the way, if you like. I mean, I, I think one of the reasons why the book is geared towards entrepreneurship is because I really see work as a gift, as an opportunity to kind of share what we're good at. Um, and I think that switch to offering what we have rather than just going out to get more and more and more for me is one of the keys to the ability to be okay with being slow because I think there is a I think a lot of people want to slow down there is a desire some people are forced into it through illness or um you know an unhappy event that triggers something um but I think there is not everybody you know some people are very happy in the rat race and and that is equally their choice and fine too but I think for a lot of people, what I'm seeing is they want to slow, but they need to know how to be okay with it. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it just needs more of this example of however you are is okay. You don't have to have the designer clothes if that's your thing. You don't have to have the picture-perfect, Pinterest-perfect life. You don't have to do this, that, and the other. If it feeds your soul, then that's great, but that's a different choice. So I think it's about permission to slow and knowing how to. Yeah. If that makes sense, I kind of rambled around the houses there. But I think we're totally on the same page. I'm just like, let's not do this overwhelm business because it's killing us. I mean, it really is. Yeah, I know. Look at the mental health crisis. Like oh. The amount of people who suffer with anxiety and depression versus, say, 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a real struggle. And I think, you know, a lot of that is that we're able to speak more about it now, but it is genuinely on the rise and in young people as well, which is very disturbing. Um, and that was, again, one of our choices. I think I think it's a, if you give yourself permission to make the choices you want to make and to challenge the assumptions that are fed to you, that this is the way that things should be done, either in the small ways or in the big ways. I mean, we obviously challenge things in slightly larger ways with our choice with homeschooling the children, but... It's amazing how many people I speak to say, oh, is that an option? Can you do that? You know, it's like, is it an option not to see your GP and to go and see, um, you know, a complementary therapist instead? Of course it's an option. <laughs> you know, you have this choice. It's your, it's your life. It's your body. It's your direction. You have this choice to go your own way. And I think give, as a starting point, giving yourself permission to challenge the assumptions you're making that are holding you where you are can be hugely powerful yeah so powerful and I think for me as well the the acceptance of what I want and what I don't want yeah has been so freeing for me mentally because you know I'm not questioning whether I should want this or this I'm just so much more content knowing my own path and it's my own journey and like you say if someone else wants something different and their life looks completely different to mine like more power to them I wish them well but that doesn't reflect that doesn't have to reflect badly on me for not wanting those things as well absolutely and what is it you find that helps you stay true to that I think spending time by myself in my Mm. own thoughts really helps because like we said before, I think we can feel so disconnected on social media to ourself and our intuition. Mm-hmm. And since, you know, having a meditation practice or just journaling out my goals and really allowing myself to daydream, 
because I yeah. think we lose that as adults and I think as an entrepreneur and just as a human being it's so powerful to just let mm-hmm. your mind wander to yeah. where do you really see yourself in 10 years and yeah. then I always backtrack into what I'm doing and am I doing anything that's out of alignment with my actual values yeah and actually journaling is such a powerful tool for that isn't it you know because I, I think that ability to discern your own voice from others can come out in journal writing particularly free writing you know as a way to just okay what is it I'm actually saying to myself you know what is all this chatter going on what do I want um and actually sometimes seeing it in black and white for people can be really helpful can't it yeah Especially as women as well, because the majority of people listening to this podcast are women. Mm-hmm. I think we're, we're taught this glamorised, super, super mum, super woman, yeah. have it all mentality. Mm-hmm. When actually, for example, for me, like I feel so much calmer just accepting that, you know, I don't think I want kids. Or for another woman, it might be accepting that they're not actually motivated by money and they don't want this high-flying career they do want to spend more time at home yeah I think it's it's interesting I think and I I totally agree with that and I feel that there's a danger because I I am you know my move is to be more towards slowing down because I feel that there's a real need for that and a lot of my clients have a huge amount to offer and a huge amount that they want to achieve and to do and I think what we need to help you know those of us that are supporting people to create these lives that they want to make what we need to make space for is for people to really shine as well because that's also been missing particularly for us women um the ability to be seen, be heard, and to go for what we want if we want it. So yes, a lot of us will be choosing to um, live more quietly and to live more gently and lightly on the earth. And a lot of us, it's our time to be heard and to create a movement or to be wonderfully creative and expressive and to really be out there and I think the empowered entrepreneur in particular is about knowing what it is for you. And, and as you say, that that is okay. Um, because I, what I'm really mindful of is I don't want to swing the pendulum too far the other way and demonize those people who don't want to go and sit in the field like I do meditate all day. Yeah. <laughs> so I happily do that. Um, and, and just, make space for that but in a way that is authentic that supports their vitality that supports their well-being and I do think that space and a reduction of speed is required but what I've also noticed is it is amazing what you can get done with laser beam focus and um, maintaining your vitality you know it is we are all capable of much more of for want of a better word, the right thing. You know, we're, we're wasting a lot of energy and a lot of time getting pulled around by this busy overwhelm. You know, our energy is dispersed a lot, whereas actually we have the power to make a lot of the change that the world needs in a much faster time than we're all doing it. Because if we weren't so disparate and if we were much more focused in our energy, 
we would be able to be a real force to be reckoned with. And I think there is something in that as well for us. Yeah, yeah. It's like accepting what we really want and yeah. letting go of everything else. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's yeah. only so much bandwidth, like you say, there's only so much space in our brains to handle. Yeah, so yeah and, and hours in a day, you know, there's only so much time. Exactly. Um, and we're never going to have more time than we have right now. I think that was one of the galvanizing things for me writing the book was that repeated realization that I will never have more time than I have right now because that moment's gone. You know, it's yeah. like, okay, and that's happening to us all of the time. So I think that's really motivating for those people that want to make a change as well. You know, it's like the time is now. If you're feeling the need to do this, the time is now. Amazing. So before we head into the quick round questions, um, is there any are there any other common hurdles that you see a lot of clients or a lot of the people in your community struggling with? Maybe a pet peeve of yours, and how do we really break that cycle? Oh gosh, um, I think it falls into two camps probably, and we we have touched on them. The main one is overwhelm and overwork, as we know. Um, and that is comes a lot from not knowing our priorities, not giving ourselves permission to slow down, and the inability to actually be able to put down a graceful boundary, which I know you're massively passionate about as well. Yeah. Um, so in the tackling of that, if you can just master the empowered no, that will stand you in good stead. You know, the ability to be able to say no in a way that leaves you feeling good and leaves someone else feeling good. There's a whole thing about it in the book. Um, shameless plug. So I, th I think that ability to be able to, yeah, just be clear and recognize that saying no isn't a confrontation and doesn't ever have to be. Um, it can be really empowering. And those people that are really good at saying no, in my experience, recognize that actually saying no is the ability to say yes because I would not be doing my eight out of 10 and above life if I was saying yes to a load of other things that didn't fall into that category. You know, you have to be able to say no to say yes to the right thing. So I think that's the kind of root of that. And overwhelm for me has kind of two elements. It has the in the moment, um, oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed. I can't see the wood for the trees. I don't even know where to start because everything is just on top of me. And that that is a in the moment, physiological, emotional state that we need to shift. And the fastest thing to shift that in my experience is to get outside, get your feet in the ground, get your head up on the horizon, take a big lung of fresh air um, and just allow your body to drop into that more parasympathetic, more relaxed, less fight or flight response. And you can trigger that in your body by just tucking your chin in slightly because we tend to get into this habit of driving ourselves forward you know chin out neck extended shoulders up kind of this busy 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 we can physiologically challenge that and reverse that effect drop the shoulders tuck the chin in slightly allow your eyes to go into that lovely soft peripheral vision rather than this foveal intense vision that we have when we're scrolling or working on the screen and that immediately takes us out of overwhelm. You know, that feeling of, oh, I can't see the wood for the trees. Because you literally can. You're standing outside. You're looking at the wood and the trees. <laughs> um, you know, it's like, okay, I, I've got this space. So that's in the moment. And then there's the long-term solution. And that's where it's about looking at what can you strip away, you know, physically, emotionally, 
um, in your work, in your life? How can you clutter? I mean, clutter clear. I know Marie Kondo did a whole thing on this, but clutter clearing is massive, particularly for creatives. Uh, it contributes to overwhelm so much. And I don't think we realize quite how much the physical environment impacts us. So if you're feeling overwhelmed, look at the space around you. Is it calm? Is it tranquil? Or is it full of crap? You know, get rid of the stuff. Um, and then there's a longer um, kind of process, if you like, of looking at where you need to put boundaries down with people or with things, um, looking at what's most important and refocusing on that and giving yourself the permission to slow. And actually, the more you do it, the easier it becomes. It's just like any neural pathway in the brain. You know, the more practiced it becomes, the easier it becomes. So that's kind of overwhelm. And overwhelm and the other the other piece that I think is the other biggest hurdle is the sense of getting lost in the noise. So, and that leads to doubt, lack of clarity, doubt in yourself, doubt in your direction, um, listening to too much advice, reacting, not responding, all of that, all of this sense of getting lost in the noise. And the antidote to that is space. You know, physical space, take yourself out into nature. You know, nature is a gift for all of us that we massively and radically underuse. Um, and it, it has the most amazing ability to recalibrate our physical system into a state of harmony and balance. And, you know, there's, there's buckets of research now, thankfully, to back all this up. But we know that being in a natural environment is good for us. Even if you're in the city, you will find a green space, get your shoes off, get your feet in the grass and just create some space for yourself. Even if it's just tiny little moments of space built into a really hectic day of mindfully taking a shower, just drinking tea and not doing anything else while you're doing it, just having your tea, yeah. you know, just watching the sunset, nothing else tiny moments of space built in and you know if you're an entrepreneur building in bigger chunks of space to step back get perspective because perspective is what we need to avoid the overwhelm and avoid this getting lost in the noise and that means we need to take that you know that view like you do with your goal setting with the journaling and looking forward and looking back we need to look up from what's happening and see what's coming up you know so that we don't over busy ourselves again and plan for that and look back on where we've come so we recognize the patterns so that we don't have to repeat them. So I think the antidote for so much in life is space. Yeah, amazing. I completely agree. And I feel like as creatives, we need space. Yes. And the setup of work that a lot of us have and a lot of us feel like we should have is actually counterproductive to creativity anyway. Yeah, I totally agree. And particularly when you look at, I did quite a lot of... Um, studying the dynamics of flow over the years, particularly creative flow and getting into that flow state. And you have to have space before you can get into flow. And flow is such a drain on our physical bodily resources. You know, the chemicals <clears throat> that we use up in the brain when we're in that flow state, it's really intense. So if you want to be a creative who can engage in a deeply flowing state of being creative and writing, for example, or producing or uh, making music or whatever it is that you're being creative in um you have to have high vitality your nutrient balance has to be good to sustain that and then having the space before you get into that zone means it's more likely that you can just keep cycling through which improves your productivity 
So improving your vitality and improving the amount of space you have increases the output in those moments of flow and your overall productivity. So, so powerful. Okay, let's head into the quick round question. So I ask every guest these questions at the end of the podcast. Oh gosh, okay. (laughs) So number one is, what is your go-to self-care ritual after a long or a stressful day? Oh, um, gratitude. Um, yeah, three things that I'm thankful for. And if I can, I'll write them down, but I will always think of them. Um, and really getting into that feeling of that, because I think we can get into a default mode of just firefighting or seeing the problems or what have you. And we can forget, you know, we're actually hardwired to scan for threats. So we need to retrain ourselves to scan for the good stuff. Um, And I've really struggled with depression in my life. So I have to actively do that um, to retrain my brain into that mode. So gratitude along a similar line, um, meta meditation, M-E-T-T-A, which is um, a form of meditation I came across about 15 years ago. And it's a Tibetan loving kindness. It's a Buddhist meditation. Um, And I find that a lot of my stress comes from a feeling of being disconnected and in a meta meditation you basically my mantra is may you be well may you be happy may you be free from suffering and I offer that first to myself and then I offer it to um, somebody kind of ambivalent in my life who I have no kind of strong feeling for one way or another and then I invite someone in um, to the meditation that I find challenging Um, and offer that same, may you be well, may you be happy, may you be free from suffering. And then I extend that to all of humanity. And what I tend to find in my meditation, if if I can get into that quite deeply, that people in my life or in the world in general just present themselves to me in my mind's eye, and I offer them that, may you be well, may you be happy, and off they go, and then someone else comes in. And that just, it tends to flow until no one else comes, and then that's, that's done. And that's a very soothing meditation particularly for those days where I feel I've got nothing done I've made no difference to anybody and I'm a terrible mother (laughs) meditation works really well because I'm like at least I've done something today um and then connect with nature better if I could do the the two above in the nature and that's you know in the winter it might be sitting around a fire in the summer it will be you know get out with my feet in the mud it might just be watching the sunset, but just something that te- reminds me that I'm connected to this fabric of life. So beautiful. Thank you. The second question is, what's challenging you to leave your comfort zone recently? Oh, my children. <laughs> <laughs> Trying um, to keep humans alive. Yes. It's, um, oh, they, they, they could probably keep themselves alive. It's trying, yeah, actually, no, keeping my son alive is probably the worst time. Yeah, my edge is always my parenting. My work I find very easy and very rewarding. And my challenge is always um, kindness, actually, if I'm honest. It's hard to be kind sometimes. And for me, that matters more than anything else. So that's always my edge. You know, how can I be present enough to be kind? Um, And so I'm, yeah, I'm really working on that. Thank you for sharing. Very bold and brave of you. (laughs) I know, I know other mums listening will relate. Okay. Next question is, what are your goals for the rest of this year going into 2019? 
Oh, well, I set my goals in the spring. Um, and it's really to get the book out there now. So it's, it's done. It's in my hands. And I haven't really done any promotion for it or any letting people know it's there. So it's finishing off that piece of work and getting it out there. Um, and going into next year, as always, it's um, to show up more and to contribute more in a meaningful way. Um, to deepen my own kind of personal practices, my yoga practice and my development. But this sense of I'm really feeling that there's a call for those of us who can to challenge our assumptions around what is possible for us to contribute in in relation to what the world needs. So that's what I'm exploring and kind of going into next year. Very exciting. And do you have a favorite resource anything that you'd recommend for anyone else to support oh, them with their goals gosh um as well as the book obviously yeah so <laughs> i mean i'm a book hoarder reader um i think i'm very drawn and have been for a while to the work of mac mccartney at Embercombe. so if you haven't come across mac he's a very um enlightened and humble soul he's written some great books he is will probably appeal to your listeners because he is very um his work is all about helping people connect to what is most important in them and to find an authentic way to lead the world in that so and that might be in motherhood and parenting it might be in corporate leadership it might be in entrepreneurship it might be in sustainability but He's also calling for us to take on, you know, take up the mantle properly of what we're responsible for in relation to the earth. Um, and I really feel that it is a, it is something for all of us to be doing, regardless of our, you know, business perspective, regardless of our religious perspective, regardless of any value set. Everybody is responsible for maintaining and um sorting out the mess that we've made of the planet and i think max work leads people towards that because what i've noticed in the same way as what he has is that when we get really connected to what's most important there is always an element of our connection to the natural world in there i've never known it in 15 years of working with people i've never known it not come up you know people we feel that nature or the earth or our connection to it is vitally important um so I think Matt McCartney at Embercombe and all of his work, his books and his talks, um, he's going on a book tour actually around the country quite soon, coming to London at the end of November. So he is definitely worth um, checking out if you haven't come across him. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you. No, you're welcome. I feel like you've shared so many knowledge bombs today so many tips so many actionable things that people can go away and just think about and create that space for themselves oh it's a pleasure thank you so much for creating this space and everything you've done I mean you've had some you know awesome guests and, and making a real impact on helping us all just slow the heck down please definitely you're <laughs> yeah. welcome thank you so to finish where can people go to follow you online where can people go to order the book Oh, thank you. It's um, my website has everything they need. Probably it's elizabethcairns.com, uh, C-A-I-R-N-S, as in the place in Australia. Uh, I'm on Instagram as and thrive, and they can order the gift set of the book um, with lots of other lovely goodies 
um, including a really beautiful candle, actually, that's arriving today from uh, Liana at Pure Thoughts. We've collaborated on making this really lovely um, clarity candle, which has bergamot in it, um, as a kind of reminder and an invitation for people just to light a candle and pause. Um, so that's in the gift box, as well as beautiful and uh, illustrated Wild Rose by Gail Jones, and she signed it, and loads of other goodies and things. So that they can get on the website. Um, the book is also on Amazon. It should be on Amazon.com imminently. Um, it is on Amazon.co.uk, but also the link on my website. Um, people can get the book through the distributor, and they distribute worldwide. So thank you very much, everybody. Yeah, thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed, and let us reach out to us on Instagram if you listened, and let us know what you thought. Yes, do. Lovely. Thanks so much, Kat. As mentioned, please do head to the show notes to check out Elizabeth, her work online, and order her book. I am about a third of the way through and just completely soaking it all in. It's amazing. It's packed with value. And I know you're going to love it if you enjoyed this interview. I also want to say that I did the loving kindness meditation that Elizabeth shared. I did a variation of it on YouTube on Tone It Up's channel. I will link the video below if you want to check it out too. Just head to the resources in general. Make sure you check them out at the end of the interviews as well because I always include links to the guests, uh, social media or website. I always include anything they've mentioned so I know a lot of you will find the show notes really helpful thank you so much for listening to put yourself first if you enjoyed it or you have any feedback i would love you to leave me a rating and review wherever you're listening to this and if you'd like to reach out to me on social media to let me know you enjoyed it or just have a chat and say hi i'm at cat underscore horrocks on twitter and instagram and if you're feeling extra kind share this on to a friend who you know needs to hear this one too.